I bring her to the interview room. She looks distraught and she sits there and I asked her, how can I help her? And I noticed she looked up and her eyes already had water in them. So I was like preparing myself like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, you know. I cannot believe that they would do this kind of thing. It's unbelievable. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome to Best Case, Worst Case. This is Jim Clemente, retired FBI profiler, former New York City prosecutor and writer, producer of Criminal Minds. And today I have the wonderful pleasure of having a great friend back on best case worst case and that is my name is kevin mcneil thank you for having me back jim i am a retired special victim detective out of the cap county georgia and uh, right now the ceo of the 12 project an organization that uh educates the world on the effects of trauma and abuse wow that's awesome yeah. Yeah, well we should you. talk a little bit about that yeah um, man. and uh so well, the first thing I have to talk about is, unfortunately, Francie cannot be here today. She's not feeling well. We, oh, we, man. We, our hearts go out to her. Hope she feels better. Most um, definitely. And, you know, in this, this day and age, it seems like everybody gets sick more yeah. and more. I mean, it's That's like true. COVID undermined us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we have to be really careful. But uh, we're going to miss her. Yeah. Damn, did I say that out loud? Um, <laughs> I didn't mean to. Um, but actually, yeah, we are going to miss her and yeah. we hope she feels better soon. But the first thing you're going to have to do is is explain to the listeners when you say you're in DeKalb County. Yeah. That, w- one, what state is that in? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And two, yeah. how do you spell DeKalb? Yeah, yeah, because some people say the cob. Uh it's uh it's D E K A L B. K A L B. Yeah. Okay. D cab. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm just I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying that there's an L missing when you pronounce it. That's yeah, all yeah, I'm saying. That's my that's my uh uh southern dialect, you know. Is that what that is? That, that's okay. what it is. But some people and do say the cob. Yeah, they used it. They draw the L out. Yeah. <laughs> well, this there's some Georgia. people that say New Orleans instead of Nolens. <laughs> That's so, true. You know. <laughs> That's but, true. But you are yeah. in the great state of Georgia. I'm of in the great state of are. Georgia. Yeah. You're one of Francie's neighbors. And maybe you could go by and, you know, maybe give <laughs> no and say hi to Francie for I me. Sure will. Yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, Kevin, so tell us about this organization that you're CEO of. Yeah, I started the 12 Project. I was uh, a detective, retired detective, and I noticed so many of my victims and their families uh, knew nothing about abuse and how it affected them in the long term. They Mm -hmm. knew the immediate effects. And so a lot of times they responded to the effects of abuse when it happened. They didn't know what to do after it happened. And as a police department, uh, as a detective, I was not equipped to understand so many things that my victims were displaying at home that would could possibly mm-hmm. lead to evidence in court. And so I learned more about trauma. And when I retired, I decided that I was going to contribute back 
to the community. I wasn't just going to take what I knew about trauma and abuse and my 20 years experience as law enforcement officer and my education. And I wanted to go out into the to the neighborhoods and the communities and, and teach about this. And so I was going to conferences and we were basically teaching this to law enforcement and people who needed it, but the people who needed to know about it the most uh, didn't know about it. So I mm. wanted to take this information out of the courtrooms, the conference rooms and bring it into people's living rooms. And so mm. that's my passion right now. Yeah. So can you explain where you got the name for it? Yeah, the 12 Project is uh, it's a it's a combination of things. You know, I was 12 years old when my incident happened, when I was kidnapped uh, and raped by a stranger coming home from school. Um, and uh, 12 is also, you know, a biblical thing. I saw in the Bible where where Jesus uh, called his 12 disciples and he gave them power to heal abusive spirits. And for me, that was the mandate for me. It wasn't about, you know, uh, evangelizing people. It was about healing people for me. Mm-hmm. And and that's what my faith leads me to believe that, you know, healing is priority. You know, we can talk all morality that we want to, but if people are not healed from their traumatic experiences, it's going to affect them in so, so many ways, health-wise, mm-hmm. physical, behaviorally. And so that's what my passion is now to heal people. Well, that's awesome. You're such a great guy. And, I appreciate you, know, you man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we appreciate you. Yeah, um, thank that's you. an amazing thing. Yes, sir. And of course, if Francie and I can help in any way, we'd love to help. Thank uh, you, sir. I appreciate you know, that. Thank you. We would love to help spread the thank word you. as well. Thank you. Um, so, Kevin, mm-hmm. we're about to launch into your case. So, yeah. as you know, we already start with the same two questions, which is, what time in your career did the case that you're going to talk to us about come up? I think I was a detective about six and a half years. Okay. And so I was, I consider myself a veteran. I consider myself, you know, to have seen it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At this so that's point. after how many years on the streets as a cop? Uh, eight years, eight so, years on the street and right. then six and a half years. So you've been so. a cop for 14 years at this yeah point. Okay. i thought i seen it all man i thought i was you know well, you we, we, like, we know that's not possible <laughs> yeah, I know, it keeps happening yeah um, man yeah all right and on the day that this case came in do you remember what you were doing do you remember what was going on how it came in and yeah, what you were was, up to before it did yeah i was sitting at my desk in my office trying to catch up on other cases and uh you know the phone rang you know from the wait front. wait 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 i'm gonna be fancy for a second and say <laughs> What kind of desk did you have? <laughs> I was in a cubicle. It was. It was all right. There you yeah, go. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as they show on TV. I had a little bit more room and privacy okay. to myself, but it wasn't one of those open spaces. Right. Yeah. I was in my desk. Do you remember when we went from like real desks to the oh, cubicles? Yeah. I remember yeah. that. In fact, yeah, me too. What I did, the government was actually selling them. You know, selling oh, wow. the desk. So I bought one. It was, oh, I think really? it was like 50 or 60 bucks, but I still have it in my office here. Really? Yeah, it's a big old <laughs> yeah. government. I mean, a big old government. Yeah, the things desk. are huge, right? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. they had this really cool mechanism where when the center drawer was closed, it all locked. locked. Yeah. It locked <laughs> yeah. all the drawers. Yeah. I mean, it was just really cool. So you yeah, had to open cool. that to open the other. Other drawers, yeah. You had one key for the center one, but it had these cool little mechanical locks that locked everything else that was anyway i digress like francie would have (laughs) if she was here but i'm glad thank you what color what color um was your cubicle my cubicle was like a light brown and i had all these wanted posters behind me so you know it was was crazy yeah i I was 
one of those detectives that had a lot of the civil rights cases. And so all of my, the artists would draw all of these pictures of these suspects that I had yet to catch. Uh, but when I did catch them, I would put their, their sketches and keep them on my back. Um, you know? Yeah. So as, as a reward or, or reminder to myself, the type of work that I was doing and the, and the good work that we were doing. Awesome. Well, yeah. that's pretty cool. All right. Well, back to your sitting in your cubicle and, yeah. and you're six years into being a detective. Yeah. And how did the case come in? Yeah, it, it was a walk-in. You know, we hate walk-ins because we don't have, <laughs> we never planned. It's not an appointment. We haven't had time to put time apart for it. And, you know, I was in the office and the phone rang, you know, the, the receptionist desk run back in the office. And, you know, like I know everybody just let the phone ring. <laughs> so, <laughs> And I was like, man, somebody going to get that? <laughs> and so uh, I was already, you know, bombarded with cases. But I picked up the phone, thought it was maybe nothing. So they told me, hey, you got a young lady out here in the lobby who wants to make a police record. And I was like, okay, I'll be out in a minute to come get her. And so I go out in the lobby and I see this young lady. She looks like she's about 20. And she has this girl, little girl, with I'm assuming it's her daughter, like five years old. All right. So there's a... A young lady in around 20, did you say? Yeah, she's in her 20s, and she comes and, in. And and she has a, a little girl with her. How old is the girl? The little girl looks like she's about five. Look like she's okay. about five. And I just assume she's a mother. She brought a kid with her out to work. So. Right. Uh, and I assumed that, you know, it was going to be a case concerning her daughter. Right? And what was the, um, what, what time of day was this? It was like it's seven o'clock in the in the evening. In so the I'm evening. assuming she okay. had just got off work and uh and just come into the office and wanted to make a report. Um and you know, I was always when people walk into the office to make a report, I'm always kind of weary, like, why didn't you just call now? I want to make the report, go through the normal processes. Um, so I kind of figured it, it may be serious or maybe nothing. She just probably right. came in and wanted to talk to somebody in person. And, and I get what that. hours do you generally work? When you were a detective, I, then when I'm a detective, I generally work from from twelve to ten, and oh, there's so a late noon, detective noon to ten at night. Yeah, and so there's a late detective that that stays in the office to twelve in case any you know other things go out that police mm. officers need us for. Uh, but yeah, I was in the middle of the shift, about ready to go home, ready to go home, and uh, she walks in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so do you interview her in the lobby? Do you bring her to an interview room? What What do you do next? I bring her to the interview room. Uh, she looks distraught and she sits there and and I asked her, well, how can I help her? And so... Is her daughter her, with I, her or is is she still... Is the daughter... Oh, yeah. We have a little playroom for children because it's the child... I mean, the uh, special victims unit where we deal with a lot of child abuse. So we have a specific room that kids play in. So because so uh, we sometimes have child victims come in. Right. And so I set the child in that room and I took her to an interview room uh, okay. that was close by and right. uh, set her down. Uh, <laughs> I set her down and I asked, her, how can I help you? And I noticed she looked up and her eyes were already, you know, had water in them. So I mm. was like preparing myself like, uh oh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, get ready for this one. And can we give her a name, you know, like a protect identity name? Yeah, like, I, I, I'll say, you know, Sally. Her name okay, was Sally. Sally. All right, um, we're call her Sally. So Sally, uh, did you find out how old she was? She was 22. She 22. was 22 years old. And uh, Okay. Well, then if this was her daughter, um, yeah. she would have been like 17 when she had her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Okay. So, um, 
And so I thought it was pertaining to the daughter. I thought she was going to tell me something. Someone did something to her daughter. Right. Uh, but she looks at me. She said, I want I want to report a uh, a rape. And that's how she worded it. I was like, oh, a rape. And I said, uh, what happened? And she proceeded to tell me that her father had raped her repeatedly. Oh, and geez. at this point, I'm, I'm going to take him back. Like, whoa, okay. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> but then right. she goes deeper. And she says, well, I said, well, how did it happen? What was the first time it happened? She said, well, the first time it happened, I was like 13. And my mom told, yeah, mom said, I I got something to show you. And she said, the mom took her to the bedroom and her father was laying in the bed with no clothes on. Wait, 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 yeah, wait, wait. Her mother? Yes. Brought her her up there? Her mother brought her up there and told her she was going to teach her how to be a woman. That's, That's what her words were. And her dad, was, uh, uh, Sally's dad, was laying in the bed with no clothes on. And the mother started getting undressed. So Sally told me that her mother was showing her how to, you know, perform certain sex acts on her father. And her mother performed sex acts on her. And I was, and I'm sitting there like, okay. <laughs> and I guess, you know, so again, I told you, I thought I had seen, I heard everything. And I'm sitting there like, okay. I thought I heard it all, you know, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm already in shock. Yeah. And then she tells me, she says, this happens repeatedly. You know, it happens all the time. It just didn't start there. It kept going. And, you know, and I was going to ask her, you know, wow, you know, so did you ever tell anyone? She said, well, one day my brother called her, called him. I said, what do you mean your brother called him? And she said he walked in on us and he had a shotgun. And he saw my dad having sex with me and he was going to kill my dad. And I told him not to. I begged him not to. And I was like, whoa, this is some hard stuff. Wow. I mean, yeah. let's let's back up for a second. So how yeah. old was her brother? Her brother was like, and she was, she said at the time he called her, that he was like 17, she was 15. Like they two years apart. Wow. Um, but that wasn't the, the big thing that caught me because what, what really got me when she told me what her dad did as a profession. Yeah. And she said, I know you don't believe me. A lot of people don't believe me. It's hard to get people to believe me. And I said, did you tell anybody? She said, I told the people at the church. I said, oh, at the church? What, what made you go to the church? She said, well, my father's the bishop there. Oh. And I was like, okay. Oh. Yeah. This is just. Wow, this yeah. is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, man, can yeah. you imagine the what she would have been going through? So she went to the church, which yeah. is where he runs things. He runs but things. But just to think that her mother put yeah. her into this position, yeah. encouraged her to be in this position, sexually yeah. assaulted her herself, and and let her father rape her. I mean, this is this is outrageous. And on top of that, now you have you have a 17 year old son who Mm -hmm. is, you know, legitimately doing the right thing because actually deadly physical force is authorized to prevent rape. (laughs) It is. It is. And And he could have been completely justified in shooting his father. And damn it, you know. You should have shot his mother as well. Yeah. I cannot man, believe was, that they would do this kind of thing. It's it unbelievable. Horrible. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my God. I'm sitting there. And I guess I had this look on my face. Like, it, it was a look that I, I, I was in shock. And she looked at me. She said, you don't believe me either, do you? And I said, oh, no, I never said that. She said, no, 
I know it's hard to believe. She said, what I'm going to do is I can come back and I can bring my brother with you with me and I'll let him tell you the story. So I said, okay, let's do that. So I took an initial report and I said, you got any other witnesses? Bring them too. She said, oh yeah, I have another friend. And she said, that's the main reason I'm coming today because he got my friend pregnant. I said, what? And she was like, yes, he got my friend pregnant. When I found out he got her pregnant, he was doing it to just more than me. And he made her get an abortion. Okay. I was well, like, whoa. Let's, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's just stop for a second. This is something that, I have recognized in in the course of my career working child sex crimes, and I'm sure you have as well, that many times victims do not come and report because they have been sexually assaulted or raped. Mm -hmm. But when they find out somebody else has, because they don't feel, because the whole process makes them feel worthless and guilty and shameful. Yeah. They don't feel they're worth it. Mm-hmm. to go to the police, that the police will do anything because they feel so their 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 self-worth is robbed from them. Yeah. But when they find out that somebody else is victimized, they become heroes and go to the rescue of that person. Yeah. They, they yeah. literally see the worth of their friend or their relative over the worth of themselves. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know, another thing she told me, she said, it really upset me that he did it to someone else. I thought he was just doing it to me. And... And she said, another reason I told you about my friend, because I know no one will believe me. It sounds, I know the story sounds crazy. That's why I want you to talk to my brother and I'm going to bring her in. So I said, okay, let's do that. Let's do that. And I'm still in shock. I'm like, oh my. So I said, can you come back tomorrow? Can you bring your brother tomorrow? She was like, yeah. And so we made an appointment for tomorrow. I cleared my desk for tomorrow. I cleared my schedule. I said, listen, I'm a, I am I got this new case that I really want to dwell into it. And so the next day they called me from the lobby again, like, Kevin, your appointment is here. And so I go out, you know, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I, you know, mm-hmm. the guy I'm thinking, she's 22, he's two years old, he's 24. So he's going to be a young guy. But what I saw, man, I walked down the lobby, I saw this guy like 6'4", like looked like a bodybuilder, man. I was like, really? man, this dude probably could have kicked this dude's ass, man, you know. And so he walks in. And when he walks in, I said, I want to talk to you about what happened to you, your sister. He looks at me. He said... I talked to you, but I don't want to talk to you in front of my sister. I said, okay. And so we go into a room 
And this man starts crying like a baby, man. Oh. And that's when I knew. I knew it, it was true. And he said, I should have killed him. That's how he started off the interview. He said, I should have killed him. He just had tears. This big muscle-bound man, 6'4", muscles popping out everywhere. He's crying like a little baby. He hadn't even told me the story yet. He was just like, he kept repeating, I should have killed him. I said, okay, tell me what happened. Okay. So he, you told him, tell me what happened. Yeah. And, and what did he say? He said, man, I'm not going to lie, I was, I was a badass as a little kid. I was involved in gangs. And he said, I had stolen a shotgun like the day before. And he said, I stashed it in the garage. And he said, I was coming in, I cut school, I was skipping school. And I heard noises upstairs. And he was like, no one's supposed to be here. And so he said he went upstairs. And he said he grabbed the shotgun. He was like, who the hell is in the house? So he grabs the shotgun. He said, goes up. And he said, what he saw, he just drops his head while he's talking to me. He just starts crying again. He said, my mom and my dad were having sex with my sister. Jesus. And he said, I cocked the shotgun. And he said, my sister jumped in front of me. And she said, please don't kill him. Please don't kill him. Please don't kill him. He said, if it wasn't for my sister, I would have killed him. And he said, I put the shotgun down. I went down. And I said, did you ever report to anybody? And he looked at me. He said, he said, no. I said, you didn't want to call the police? He was like, no, because my dad is a very powerful man in the church. No one. I said, but you saw him do it, right? He said, yeah. He said, to be honest with you, no one would have believed me because I was a badass. I was a troubled kid. He said, plus, I still had some feelings of killing him. I, 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 I didn't want anybody to get to him before I did. And he mm -hmm. said that he had to move out to keep that from happening. He said every day he had thoughts of killing his father, but he never told, which was kind of shocking to me. Uh, that he never well, told. Yeah, but, you know, Kevin, the way I see it is not only are you would you be reporting a crime against a very powerful person, but you're reporting a crime against the two people yeah. who gave you life, against yeah. the two people who fed you and clothed you and raised you and yeah. told you, you know, what you were supposed to do in life. And you, you are, I mean, completely undermining your entire foundation in the world yeah and you yeah. know that is a that is a huge huge wall to get over yeah and yet you know i mean yeah we might think that in our in that circumstance we might do the same thing but can you imagine how embarrassing that would be oh, how yeah. how the shame you know, having yeah the shame and the guilt yeah. and the i mean it's just it, it's unbelievable it is shocking it was yeah. shocking to you a seasoned oh, law enforcement officer and detective, somebody who's seen all sorts of extreme cases, and yet it was shocking to you. Can you yeah. imagine living it? This is your family. This exactly. is who you are. Are This is who you are, literally. Yeah. And yeah. yet, so, I mean, but he was so honest with you saying he that he was, he was and saying he that had, I didn't want to report it because I still had thoughts of killing him. <laughs> yeah. So I still had thoughts of killing him. And he said, and he, and he even told me, he said, I only came here because my sister begged me to. And she's, he said, I, I was, he said, he said, also, I'm still in, in, in therapy for this. He said, I'm, he messed me up. He said, we were church going people. We were a church family. And he said, that's another reason I didn't tell, because my father was such a reputable man in the church and so high up in the church. I didn't think anyone would believe us, but then I thought it would be so embarrassing to the family. 
Uh, and then he said, I felt guilty for not doing something. He said, that's another reason I, I didn't tell. I felt like I failed my sister. And he felt like that. He said, I I don't know what I was so busy going out in the streets doing things. I wasn't there to take my sister. So he was telling me all this. And this guy's face is wet with just tears, mm. with tears. And so I was like, wow, OK. I said, I, I said, OK, sir, thank you for thank you for talking to me, man. He was like, man, he said, I don't know what to do, man. He said, I don't, I, I still don't know what to do. He said, I can't look my sister in the face because I felt like I let her down. I said, you know, I had a man to man with him. I said, you know, I understand. I, I do understand. But you did the best thing and you did the right thing. He said, it don't feel like it. And that's what he told me. Mm. He said, it don't feel like it because he's still alive. Nobody knows what's, what he does. Uh, Kevin, and, I hope yeah. you change that. I hope you change that set of circumstances that he just commented on. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, let's yeah, yeah. talk about it. Let's, you, you, so, you know I had to do something about that. Yeah, of was, course. Well, you know, I know you, yes. Yeah, and yeah. I, and, but I'm, uh, yes, I am, I'm curious, you know, what about the daughter? Oh, so I get to the daughter. Before I get to the daughter, the, the friend was there too that she oh. she referenced in the first interview. So I said, let me talk to the friend. So I talked to the friend. I said, I said, uh, young lady, you know why you're here to talk to me? And, and she was like, yeah. And I said, and she was still calling him Bishop. And she said, it was about Bishop. And I was like, okay. I said, how you and Sally know each other? She said, I went to the church. I was in the youth ministry. And she was there with me. I said, oh, okay. So y'all know each other through the church. So yeah. And she said, yeah, in fact, I got introduced to the bishop through his wife. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah. And then she gave me another thing on top of what everybody else was saying. She said, yeah. It was the husbands in the church. Part of their initiation to be elders in the church was that the bishop got very friendly with the wives. I said, wait, 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 hold up a second. <laughs> what do you mean very friendly? And she said, well, the bishop was sleeping with their wives. And I said, wait a minute, you know, and I'm sitting here like, okay, you mean this a is a man. cult. This is not yeah, exactly this is a fucking cult. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I am, there's just exactly unbelievable. And I'm going to tell you, that's exactly God. what it was. My investigation, that's exactly what it was. And, and so I said, man, okay. I said, I, I got some work to do. So I found out what church they were at. I did my background information and realized he was a powerful bishop in a powerful denomination. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to go at this the right way. You know, I'm going to have to go at this the right way. So I found out where he had been. You know, you know, Atlanta is one of those transient cities, you know, is nobody's from Atlanta in Atlanta. So <laughs> I always I always tell detectives, you know, never investigate people where they are. Investigate where they've been also. Uh so I found out he was he was a bishop in several other churches in Alabama. And I I, I kind of did some research. Nobody wanted to talk to me. They would just tell me he was moved for disciplinary reasons. So okay. I said, you can't tell me why? Is there any records as to why can I talk to somebody in the church? And they were very hush hush with it. I said, okay. I said, I'm going to go to the church way pastors. And I go there and they stop me at the door. May we help you? I said, yeah, I, I need to talk to the bishop, you know, talk to the, someone, talk to somebody in the administration. And they were like, uh, we can't let you in. So what you mean you can't let me in? I'm the police. Let me show. And yeah. so they was like, well, he's not here anyway. I said, okay, let's do this. I said, I need to talk to somebody who's in charge here. And so they would said, no one's here for you to talk to. I said, okay, am I going to have to, you know, go get a warrant? You know, I'm threatened with a warrant at this time. They was like, for what? I was like, I'm looking for a person I need to talk to. And y'all saying he's not here. Where is he? And they just wouldn't tell me. I said, okay. So I waited to, I said, you know what? You, what you don't want me to do is come up here when you have a service 
and get the bishop out of service. Now, if you want to keep this on a hush-hush, you need to let me talk to the bishop. They said, okay, give us your call. We'll have him call you. So I waited. Waited. Nobody called. So I got two detectives together. I said, hey, y'all want to go to church? Yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, go to church? I said, yeah, this guy I want to talk to at the church. Y'all come with me. We're going we gonna to sit in church and we're going to pull him to the side. They said, you going to do that in front of the church? I said, yeah. I go there and I remember when I talked to him to go to the church the first time, it's like a Wednesday they were having Bible study, which was surprising he wasn't there. So I go Sunday, take the other detectives with me. And they, they had the church in the hotel. They were using the conference center in the hotel. They would rent it out. So I go and it's empty. It's like, wait a minute. So I go to the front desk. I skip me, man. Is that usually a church in here that she said, yeah, they canceled their contract Thursday and they moved out. What? And so now she had no record of where they could go, where they went. And I'm looking up this guy. There's no record of him anywhere. So I'm like, okay. And so I go to the house and they moved. So, okay. Wow. Yeah. But what I found out was he was no longer married to the mother. They had gotten a divorce. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take that route. I'm going to I'm go with her. She lived way out, boy, she lived in the boom. She had moved way out in in another part of Georgia, like Mm -hmm. South Georgia. So I told another detective, man, let's take a trip. And so, and I said, man, I ain't got nothing on this woman, you know, other than the fact that her children come up and they said it happened. You know, I really had nothing on her. So I said, okay, she's remarried. She started her life over. So we go way down. I mean, we travel like a hundred and something miles. So we go way down there and I knock on the door, knock on the door, knock on the door. She answers the door. And I said, ma'am, I'm a detective McNeil, the cab kind of police. She starts backing up and just starts crying mm-hmm. and starts shaking her head. And I said, ma'am, you know, I, I, and then she gave me the confidence to, to, to say I knew more than what I knew. I had more than right. what, what I had. So I said, ma'am, you know what this is about. You know what this is about. I talked to your daughter, talked to your son, and we have some evidence that you were involved. And I just want you to talk to me. And she mm-hmm. said, I talked to you. So we we'd set her down at the dinner table. Now, a new husband comes in. He doesn't know what's going on. Right. And so she's giving us statements and she's telling us what happened. And she admits to it. She said, you know, I was in a bad place at that time. My husband was very controlling. And I said, okay, ma'am, was there any instances where 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 you and your husband had uh, sexual relations with your daughter? And she was start crying again. So her husband walks in. He's like, hey, wait, 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 wait. Stop this interview. We can a lawyer. But at this point, she had told me what I need to know. Right. And so I said, okay, so you get a lawyer. So I said, I'll tell you what, since you're going to formalize it, this is what we're going to do. Okay. And I said, your wife didn't ask for a lawyer. You did. I said, your wife is the one that needs to ask for one. And she looks at him. She says, I talked to him. This is an extremely upsetting case. This is outrageous. It's shocking as, as your, your experience proves in the, in the course of this investigation Thank you so much for coming in and telling us about this. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. All right. And we're going to have to have you come back next week to continue to to tell the story of this case, the incredibly disturbing case that that you brought to us. And and people listen to this. Tell your friends about this and do something. If you know something, do something. Don't just sit back and think somebody else will, or that it's too late, or that it's, you don't know enough. Every little bit helps, and every victim deserves to have justice, not to be just left hanging. Yes, I totally agree, Jim. I'm looking forward to coming back next week and continuing this conversation. Okay. 
Well, until next time, this is Best Case, Worst Case, signing off. Best Case, Worst Case is an XG production produced by Francie Hakes, Josh Murphy, and Jim Clementi at Empire Studios, L.A. Engineered and edited by Matt Gerbel. Music composed and performed by Simba Tsumba and hosted by Wondery. You can listen to Best Case, Worst Case on your favorite listening app. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to do something about child sexual abuse, Darkness Delight can help. Did you know that more than 90% of the time children are sexually abused by someone they know? Jim, this isn't about stranger danger. It's about learning the true risks. Darkness to Light's training can help prevent, recognize, and react to child sexual abuse in your community. When you make the decision to get involved, kids can be protected. It starts with you. Visit www.d2l.org to take the training and learn more. That's d2l.org. the number two, L, dot org.